Coleman, a fullback, flanked out to the left. Ryan rolling to the right. Ryan in trouble. Ryan flips one into the engine with a prayer incomplete. Man, come on. I had a rough night, and I hate the Eagles, man. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Substandard, sponsored by Casper Mattress. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Sonny Bunch and Jonathan V. Last. I'd like to remind you The Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look at our podcast and search for Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. Gentlemen, how are we? JVL, why the dark circles under the eyes? As Jack Nicholson said, in as good as it gets. It was an early call this morning. We had a kid in a little bit of distress at about 1.30, and so I have been up since then. I'm sure it's okay. fine. I'm sure it's fine. Oh, but I'm great. okay. Show's over. Because <laughs> my my spirit is uh, buoyed. The body's what, weak. What, what spirit is that, But JBL? my spirit, what spirit is, that? is soaring like an eagle. Oh, boy. All right. So excited. Let's hear it. Go ahead. Share your thoughts. This is a This is an hour show, so just keep that in mind. So I'm sitting there watching the game with my nine-year-old, and I'm assuring him that the Eagles are going to lose because this is what they do but all the time in the playoffs. In. You're, You're in the playoffs. You're in the playoffs. This is what they do. We lose in the important. playoffs. And he's saying, no, no, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. He said, no, they're not going to be fine. This is, what, this is just what happens. So we're in the fourth quarter, and the Eagles score to go up 15 to 10. And he says, they're going to win. Look, there's like a minute 13 left. And I said, no, no, they're not. Let me explain to you. My son, my child, let me explain to you the facts of life. Here's what's going to happen. The Atlanta Falcons are going to march down the field. In the course of this march, they are going to face a fourth and long. The Eagles fans are going to think they have them. The Atlanta Falcons are then going to complete and convert a fourth and long. Then they're going to wind up in a a, a first and goal situation. And from the first and goal, they're going to have three shots at the end zone that are going to fail completely. And it'll be fourth and short. And the Eagles fans will think, we did it. I can't believe we did it. I can't believe we held them. And then Atlanta will score a touchdown. It'll be a walk-off touchdown and everybody in Philadelphia will throw batteries because this is how it has been since the fall of Adam and Eve. I can totally visualize all of that. I have seen this movie before and yea verily as I had prophesied everything came to pass except fourth and two and they actually held them. It was amazing. I have not been I have not received this much joy from the outcome of a sporting event probably since the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, which is now 10 years ago. Fourth and 26? <laughs> uh, that, was the, that was the year. Yeah. That was more than 10 years. That it's was been like 14 years. Is it 14 years? Yeah. yeah. Was so that was, the, that's, and that Super Bowl was on the first weekly standard cruise. You and I watched that game, if you remember, Vic, from the bar. We were still in port, and we Was we this 2005? Or a few years later? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go look at it. 4th and 26 was the 2003-2004 season. Season, That sounds about right. That's right. Uh And it was, I am so into, I'm so, I went out and procured for myself a Brian Dawkins official game level jersey in black. Doc, Weapon X, the Wolverine, one of my favorite Eagle players ever. It should be delivered tomorrow or the day after. I'm unbelievably excited. Wait, wait, wait. You just bought this jersey so you can wear it in the championship, for the championship For the game. championship game. Yeah. Assuring Bad now wagon. that they're going to lose. Yeah. Well, because obviously. now that I have gone out and procured myself my first ever life, first ever in life Eagles jersey, I've all but assured that they're going to lose. I can't believe you've never bought a jersey for the Eagles before this. You're a pretty big Eagles fan. I am, a, a, in fact, a very big Eagles fan. Would you, if you were ranking Philadelphia sports teams, would it be 76ers, Eagles, uh, Phillies? Ranking Phillies, them by what? What is our criterion? Well, just who you like the most. Who you Eagles. Who, Eagles. Okay. And it's not even close. Um, I would say I have not loved the Sixers since Iverson was traded, and the Phillies were always. I didn't really like baseball until college, and so my first baseball love. Do was, you like baseball? Now? Was really I. I do like baseball quite a lot. 
do you, maybe you've picked up on that. But do you like do you like the Phillies or do you like the Nats? Oh, I don't like the Nats. I 100% don't like the Nats. I'm Why don't you to like see the Nats? Nats? Because this city does not deserve a team that good. This city, this city is a bandwagon city. And Says these the people, guy who just bought his first Eagles. Well, look, it's not like I never <laughs> paid Jersey attention to the Eagles. I used to before trick or treating at Randall's house. The and national champion sat and lived and died with national them. Con- national con- NFC cha- championship game. I, I will have you know that at the the the, the, the famous White House correspondence dinner when Tom Brady was there, and <laughs> this this is true, Tom Brady and Donovan McNabb were both there. I stiff-armed Tom Brady to get past him <laughs> to get to Donovan McNabb to hang out with him. What uh, what year was this? Uh, who could say? Yeah. Uh, Speak for yourself. So I went was, right to Lorraine. It was Bracco. amazing, and I uh, I have done a little bit of Eagles <laughs> Eagles fan fiction writing. Oh boy! I mean, I don't have to share it if you don't want. If, no, if you sounds, don't want to hear it, it, sounds great. It's okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Look, everyone knows that the Eagles aren't allowed to win a Super Bowl. What this novel presupposes is maybe they are. Ricky Waters ran over the middle like a stallion, friscalating the turf and shredding defenders as a cornucopia dispenses delicatations. He caught the ball, an oblong concoction of flinty leather and common air. He caught the ball and cried out, Vamanos, amigos, we do this for us, for now. That's wow, great. Wow. That's really... Now in chapter two, I get to the part where Andy Reid... Now you're telling me this is worse than Jonah reading Bigfoot erotica on his on his so-called podcast. In chapter two, Andy Reid dies during a bout of autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh my gosh! Does he at least? Fat. Does he? I at, can't. I can't say it. I don't want to bleep. I don't have time to bleep today. Does he at least pass along his clock management skills to his his uh, scion on the team? <laughs> that guy. And what's funny is the Eagles coach right now, Doug Peterson. Do you remember him from Eagles lore? He was the guy who Andy Reid brought in as his first quarterback after having drafted uh, uh, Donovan McNabb. And McNabb was not allowed to start. And Is it because he was black and Philadelphia's <laughs> racist? So the Philly, you, I, the you, Philly I noticed fans, you didn't answer. No, he just you didn't answer that one. that one. So the Philly fans wanted McNabb playing. And Reed was such such a bald-faced liar that he refused to admit in public that McNabb was the quarterback of the future. He said, ah, Doug Peterson's our quarterback. Yeah, hey, we'll see if McNabb can play down the line. He has gone out and selected with the number two overall pick, Don McNabb, and he then spent the entire first season insisting that McNabb might never actually play because Doug Peterson was the quarterback of the future for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's when I first realized how much I hated Andy Reid. Because he's just a liar. Just well, a bald-faced liar. But I mean, you can't, you can't, but as, uh, I don't care anything about Andy Reid. I have no uh, interest in sticking up for him. But in the defense of, of Andy Reid, as a head coach, don't you have to say that the guy that you're playing right then is your quarterback? Because then you invite all sorts of, you know. Quarterback controversy. Quarterback controversy. You don't want quarterback controversy. You know what kills teams? Quarterback controversy. But there was a quarterback controversy. It wasn't a controversy. No, Doug Peterson was a journeyman quarterback who was, who was brought in specifically to just be a caretaker for 10 or 16 games. No, he's the, the quarterback of the future. You know what I hate? I hate being treated like an idiot. And so did Ev- so did the Philadelphia sports media, and this is why people. This is what, and this is, I would say this was had quite a look. You know what? To, to be and we don't need wall. to get into in, in chapter two where Andy Reid dies <laughs> while wearing a gimp mask and being sodomized by Terrell Owens. In oh. that chapter, that chapter is lit. That, lit AF. Lit AF. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. SMDH. Thank you. Thank you, JVL. That was lovely. <laughs> I feel like this, you know, in a therapy session, the person's done talking and is sitting in a circle. Sonny, <laughs> how was your weekend uh, and week? I, w- I, w- I did. I actually watched more football this weekend than I have basically the rest of the year, mm-hmm. uh, or at least since Aaron Rodgers went down um, with his, his shoulder injury. Uh, and it was a great weekend of football. I mean, the the that Minnesota game, I it's the first time all year I've literally made an exclamation like an involuntary exclamation. Yes. I just went like, "Ah!" Oh! Yes. That's basically the noise I made. It was like, "Ah!" Oh! Same. As as Same. like as as not only as the catch happened, but the 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 real moment was when the defender just whiffed. 
on the tackle. I didn't mean, just whiff. Took out took the only other other defender yeah. who could make the tackle. I mean, it was actually it was I it was it was the sort of thing that if I I mean I obviously don't think this, but it looks like a play that was designed to make his team lose. Like if there was a <laughs> mobster somewhere in the basement of that building with a gun to his kid's head, I wouldn't be shocked. Did you see what Chris Deaton did? No. The mashup. So Chris yeah. Deaton mashed up, and it's eerie that it worked perfectly. The call from the Bill Buckner. Game oh, six boy. World Series mm-hmm. thing matches up as a timestamp exactly perfectly from the hit and the snap <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. Th- then the ball goes through Buckner's legs at exactly the moment that the tackle misses. And then the end the guy hits the end zone at exactly the moment that the run scores. Oh, oh that's great. That's cool. It's crazy. Does he do a split screen or is he doing what No, he just does the audio over. So over he, it. he does the Vin that's Scully cool. audio over the, the Minnesota Miracle play. It's uh, fantastic. So anyway, that was that was a I'll put that, that in show notes. Best oh good. Oh, good. Uh, best best weekend of football that we've had so far. I don't know. I agree. And the Steelers lost, it. too, which is kind of awesome. Yes. No. Blake I Bortles. Yeah. Blake Bortles. Bortles. Say, say it four what times fast. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Yeah. Blake Bortles. No. Great. It felt like they were ahead, but they weren't ahead for a long time. Well, they were. You know? I mean, they you were, had that feeling the they, momentum shifted they, in the they, third they, quarter. They were up, I think, 28 to 7 at one point, right? Yep. And I was convinced. I was still mm-hmm. like, yeah, the Steelers are probably going to score 40 oh, points in a row. Easily. I could see that Easily. happening. Almost, Almost happened. Almost did. Almost did. So they, uh, they, they, they held the line. It was really good. It's always sad when the rapists lose. Oh, sorry. Said it loud. Ooh. Accused. Well, accused. We Alleged. We Alleged. Uh, yes. So uh, at least he didn't do what Aziz Ansari is alleged of having done. Oh wait, let's not get into that right now. Served uh, white wine instead of offering red. <laughs> she no. wanted red. Damn it, boy, that was a. Uh, he didn't even ask. I mean, that's just. He didn't even ask. He just said, "Here's your wine." Okay, uh, <laughs> monster. Didn't, that, that didn't what come sort out of way monster? I was say. Um, oh, uh, okay. So that was your weekend. That was yeah, good. yeah. Okay, good. good. Do we actually good. want to talk about? I I could. I so here's you know. All right, fine. I don't want to. I don't want to get too deep into the Me Too times up but stuff. You, you did a thing that blew up today. Yeah, there was a uh, for the Washington Post. It went. What did you do? I just wrote a piece on. I wrote. A, I wrote a piece about how the Aziz Ansari story was nothing like the Harvey Weinstein story, or the Louis C.K. story, or the Kevin Spacey no, story. It's or, exactly the same, Sonny. See, this is. But the, but I get a lot of responses like this because and, it's true. And why do you hate women? Well, I got a lot of reasons. <laughs> we got a, we got a, we, how you long have is this a podcast? daughter, Sonny. How uh, dare you? No, no, but, but, sir. But, go um, ahead, Sonny. Say your piece. I think it's, I, I do think that we are kind of like, we are, we are at the point where we are now looking for ways to continue the story. And I don't think that that means that the story is done. For instance, look at the Eliza Dushku uh, allegations that came out this week. You know, she said, mm-hmm. what of the, Stunt coordinators molested her, and you know he's been dropped by his talent agency. Other people have been. I, I noticed, by the way, uh, James Cameron came out talking about the courage, and Jamie Lee Curtis as well. Schwarzenegger has not said anything yet. No, he tweeted something today. He did, or maybe okay. Well, I don't. Tuesday, yeah. Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday. I, Dana. I but uh, anyway, the point is the, the point is I like I do think that we are we are like yeah. kind of the the story is it should not be running out of momentum because there are still tons and tons of these stories to be told. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that we are kind of like reaching a point where you have a lot of uh, very questionable news sites making very poor editorial judgments mm-hmm. um, in ways that will undermine the whole narrative. Are you saying that the people at babe.com... Babe.net? Babe.net. Not even babe.com. I assume babe.com is like a porn porn site of some sort. Let me go check right now. Whitehouse.com. I will never forget... The, the afternoon when Fred Barnes came rumming over to my desk and said, go to whitehouse.com. Go to whitehouse.com. I said, Fred, it's, it's whitehouse.gov. You, I know, but go, go see what whitehouse.com is. Very funny. He was so titillated by it. Funny. It was hysterical. Very funny. Uh, speaking I mean, of... Spe- anyway, Babe.net. No, that was a very brave piece of journalism by them. I mean, it just is... It's the worst. Did it's you read the, the Caitlin Flanagan piece? In Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Well, I quote... I, I mean... Be, I mm-hmm. think I think Caitlin Flanagan made the key point uh, about this whole th- story, which is that this is the story at Babe.net is just straight up three thousand words of revenge porn designed to humiliate a, a, a person who took a woman out on a bad date. I mean, th- that's the whole reason that this thing exists. Yeah, and it, in, yeah. and if that is what like also if, for if, the clicks, 
Well, also for the clicks, sure. <laughs> High engagement. I mean, 2.5 million. They got photos. 2.5 million clicks. The evidence is in the story. photos. She took a picture of him. See, it happened. Uh, I don't. I I actually believe every. every I believe single word? literally every word in that story. Mm-hmm. I believe it yeah. was all like know. D- you know down mm-hmm. to the weird claw. The claw. That's uh, not that everyone. Do, isn't that everybody's? Uh, isn't that? No. A th- that's not a thing that we <laughs> all do. I don't understand. Vic, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, there. Uh, somebody sent on us to me on Twitter a reminder that yesterday was the forty fifth anniversary of. Um, of Gene Shalit joining uh, the Today Show as a movie reviewer and joining a panel, rather. He was joining a panel with Barbara Walters. And the interesting thing about the article was that he contributed, uh, he did he did not just movies, but he did book reviews. He did book reviews before he became the critic. And he, he, they would do, it. they said, uh, occasional commentary. And the interesting thing is, I think Gene Shalit might have an occasional commentary about the Aziz Ansari situation today. What? And you can edit this out oh, if this turns oh, out to be wait, too much. Oh, Holy look, crap. Gene's here. Everybody buckle up your chin straps. <clears throat> Comedian Aziz Ansari has been accused of sexual misconduct and unwanted sexual advances. But I will not be giving you the blow-by-blow today. No one is accusing Aziz of rape. But talk about men behaving badly. Aziz Ansari, more like Aziz I'm sorry. And it's not like I thought the girl was from a convent. If she was, Aziz would truly be the master of none. N-U-N. That's good. I actually didn't get it at first. That's good. I'm glad you spelled that out. Gene. Oh, Gene. Oh, I, oh, bye, Gene. I had wanted to ask Gene how many of the books he reviewed for the Today Show he read. Well, I, 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 <laughs> Just as a percentage. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm, I, I actually I want to circle back to this because the idea the idea of the Today, show, the Today Show doing <laughs> book reviews. It was a different time. Is, is the most, it, like, is it kind of mind-blowing? like late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. I mean, like, did they, so even the to Today read. Show. In the 1960s, they yeah. do book reviews. Today, it's, look what somebody tweeted. Like this is, we're going to do seven minutes on a Twitter. Let's talk to a porn star. It's it's something unfathomable for any sort of TV show to talk about books like this. I mean, people will hawk a book, but in terms of like reviewing a book. Right, right, right. Just Just like doing a book Mm -hmm. review. Mm -hmm. Yes. I took out all sort of, there were, uh, the rumor had it that Gene had some various ethnic jokes, but he took it out at the last second. He got scared. You know what? I don't believe that Gene would do that. (laughs) He wasn't trying to. No, Gene's a lover. You know what? It's not like he was trying to curry favor with his ease. (laughs) Oh. Speaking of curry. That's you know what? There. You know what's disgusting? What? Oh. Coconut flavored curry. Oh no. no! That's for the people who can't handle the real curry. They I got, need that. They when need I, the, when the, I went on my spi- the, the other stuff is too spicy. When I went on my anti coconut rant uh, on Twitter two uh, days ago, a lot of no, well on on Twitter so like coconut five shrimp. days ago. Oh, coconut shrimp! I got a lot of I got a lot of angry tweets from South Asians mm-hmm. who are like, mm-hmm. "Well, don't ever come to our country." That's right. and like, I was like, That's first right. off, I'm, I'm not Hate planning crime. on it." Not planning on it. No, but I would do some sex tourism. No, but I. Oh, JBL. There's more to it to my people than that. But I was. But I was just like, I have no. I have no interest in your garbage cuisine. I don't. I don't need it. But the problem is, Sonny, you might. You're talking about the cuisine, but it's like you're saying the entire Asian Pacific Island region is some giant asshole or something. (laughs) I would never say something like that. Okay. When Dick Durbin was around, (laughs) Dicky. Dicky Durbin. Okay. Dickie. Um, uh, okay, so moving right along, uh, just a really quick uh, update, the renovation on my bathroom. The drywall is up. The painting Ooh. has begun. Can't wait for the vanity and the shower to be installed. How the tile long has so, this taken? Not yet. It's, it's, you know, they Where did you go to pick to three. out your tile? Did you go to Doll Tile? No, uh, Foster's Remodeling. Did you go to Home Depot? That's no. We got, we got all tile. Our, I got your all, tile at Home Depot. I got all my, my tile at Do Home Depot. Do you live Depot. in a trailer? Wow. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you get tile at Home Depot? No. Yeah, there are some things that Home Depot is good for. What else? Tile is not one of them. Where else do you get t- tile from? At a tile specialty store. Mm-hmm. Where, wh- I don't even know what that is. I don't know. What is that? This is the, you know what, I, I mean, I, I, my wife has- fo- What about Lowe's? Is that what you're talking Are you talking yeah. about Lowe's? As you, you can say. You people. Okay. Talking about- but it made me think about it. I can't wait till this thing is done because that's going to be my new office. And talking about great favorite- Bathrooms, right? What is? Do you have a favorite? I was thinking about. I love fancy Sanitary. bathrooms. 
Yes. Xanadu. Thank you, JVL. Do you remember right? this or is this oh, the one after at the, time? The, one at the, the, at the old office. Yeah, at the, the hotel right there, the St. Regis. Oh, no, 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 no. Before that, there was a, so uh, there was a term, I believe it was coined by Joe Lindsley, who used to work at the oh, Weekly I thought Standard. It was Ed no? I remember it being Joe, okay, but I trust your what memory. happened was in the old office of the <clears> Weekly <throat> Standard, you know, you have the, the men's room on your floor, but then uh, Joe had discovered- A common men's room yes, a common, for the entire a floor. common men's room. There was a secret bathroom on level two, like sub-basement, like level two that almost nobody single used. Single stall bathroom. Single stall, yeah, handicap oh, stall. Oh, oh that's yes, right. I remember, remember that, Sonny? It yeah. was the size of my first apartment. Yeah. Oh, right. It was huge. It was, it, was huge. An, it was as big as this studio. Yeah. It oh. was literally as big Privacy, as this Privacy, especially if you're working late night and somebody ordered Indian for dinner or something <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> non and beyond, you know, I need to go to Xanadu. <laughs> Which only happened Sorry. 50 times a year. Yeah, it's only 50 times a year. So um, anyway, so, you know, uh, it was a great bathroom. And I thought about that when uh, when we were, they're coming along with this bathroom and other great bathrooms in the city. Who's christening your bathroom? Well, oh, me. It's my, it's, I'm easily, easily. I'm going to be. <laughs> are you going to order saying, some Indian up, food the I'm night before it's finished? He's, he's, he's I'm taking prima nocte on that one. I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm the, the best first one up in the house, and I'm ready to go, like clockwork. Uh, like see, clockwork. I, but if we're, if, minutes as soon as I wake up, are you getting a bidet? No, <laughs> I've never, I've never used, I've never used one. I've seen it. I've, I've been in rooms where they have it. I've never used know. it. I'm not, you know, it's, it sounds like there's too much splashing going. on. You get on. the four thousand dollar Toto that has the bidet built in and the heated Here's seat and oh the wireless gosh, crap ability. Do you seat. get one of those from Home Depot? <sighs> not dignifying it. Here's a question: Do you have right here on the spot worst bathroom? Uh, opinion. Worst bathroom you've ever been in? In uh, the world. Well, I, I don't know about worst. See, worst bathroom is like is is because all terrible bathrooms are terrible in the same basic way. They're dirty and they're no, you know, and no. they're filthy no, 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 and wrong. they don't work. Or wrong, wrong. But I do have I, the, my favorite bathroom in the city. I, and this is what I thought okay, you were going to mention. Please, no, yeah, let's talk about Was that the one that's like on the side of the Mayflower. Like, you know that side entrance? Oh, yeah. To the Mayflower. What is what's the oh, yes, what's, what's like yes, the little yes, the yes, sales yes, there? Yeah, yeah, the sales. The, yeah. The, and you would go in there, and it would be on the right before you got to Town and Country, like the back entrance of yes, Town and Country. It was a private. The louver doors. This is a really fantastic conversation for the <laughs> six of you who have who, who have been to the Mayflower. But the, it was, but it, but the, mm-hmm, but the, mm-hmm. but the thing about this place. Uh, this bathroom was that it was like heated especially oh. so it was like mm. it was very warm yeah. and and the the fl- the doors went all the way to the floor oh yeah privacy all the way complete, to the floor and all the way privacy. to the ceiling yeah, and it was like privacy. concrete you could probably survive a nuclear blast Ready for, in I, that in that I'm, bathroom i'm willing to share this now because i don't use it as often anymore because i i don't work in the city the jefferson hotel on 16th street has an amazing bathroom in fact you would walk all the way over there to use from that here bathroom from here there yes it was a, it was a hot sweaty <laughs> walk jvl sometimes i thought i'm not going to make it but uh, the handicap stall just is, destroy it. The handicap stall is actually its own bathroom, its own bathroom, sink, everything. I mean, you could go, you could go naked if you wanted to. <laughs> I'm not saying I've ever done that a few times. I'm just saying. Um, and marble, you know, what I mean the marble and all the fancy fixtures. The Jefferson Hotel is a great one. Worst bathroom I think I've been on. I was going to. I always say, growing up, it was. Uh, I had caught a glimpse of the bathroom at Port Authority in New York in 1980. <laughs> 1980. My mother had to use the bathroom, and I said, I'm not going in. My sister's like, I'm not going in. My mother opens the door. There was a bag lady sitting on a sink. And I thought, nope. The two of us as kids, I remember standing alone. Like, my mother's, all right, don't alone talk to anybody. Alone in Port Authority. Port Authority in 1980. She goes, don't talk to anybody. I'm using the bathroom. It's just horrific. Um, <laughs> okay, but it explains but, so much. Yes, uh, and there was also one I remember. Uh, uh, there was a bathroom um, in the middle of a jungle in Costa Rica, and that was basically just a hole. Um, anyway, speaking of jungles, Jumanji, welcome to the jungle, took the top spot at the box office again with twenty-eight million dollars, followed by the Post. We had expanded from uh. like twenty screens to. Twenty five hundred. Yeah, I mean, it was nineteen million. And what do you know? What's in third place? The commuter with thirteen point seven million dollars. Let me ask you a question. I have not seen this movie, but I'm wondering: Does this commuter have a special set of skills? Yes. Yes. It's but again, this is the wrong comparison. It's not. It's not taken on a train. It's nonstop oh, it's on not. a train. Have you seen the commuter? No, do I have not seen the commuter. Have any desire will, to? If if God is good. If he exists and he is good, he will uh, allow me to get through the rest of my life without ever having to see this movie. Star Wars is behind even the greatest showman. 
Yeah, it's down. Well, it lost a thousand screens this week because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. so. Like, this is one of the reasons wow. why its numbers have been so inflated during the week is because it has been. Uh, it's it, yes. Disney signed a forced all theaters that were showing it to show it in their best theater for four weeks in a row, wow. and or in their best theaters. And like, so if they had multiple, they had to show it in their best theaters for four weeks in a row. Lost a thousand screens this week because finally, the theaters were like, oh, let's get this out of here. Um, Jumanji is going to do slightly more than half of Star Wars's business when how all is said and done. Okay, how about yeah. Jumanji versus <laughs> Justice League? Jumanji's already grossed more than Justice League. Wow. Domestic, I don't know about international, but definitely yeah. domestic. Yeah. Uh, by a lot, too, okay. by like 40 million or something mm-hmm. like that, I think. Uh, so far. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to keep amazing. going. I mean, it's going to, I like, I, I, you know, we were talking about huge box office surprises uh, a couple episodes ago, JBL, and I think it is still the biggest box office surprise of the year, but I, I, I think Jumanji doing 330 or $340 million worth of business is also a pretty big See, surprise. I, I would say yes, except that I started reading six months ago that Sony was incredibly high on Jumanji and that it had gone from being a project that they weren't super excited to to upon seeing the rough cut of it, thinking that it was going to be a monster. Yeah. Interesting. So Sony it is knew holding that it was really, having, really well. it, it had something special What was here. it? Can you can you pull up Jumanji just real quick and look, what was the opening weekend gross? Uh, hold on. <sighs> opening weekend is... So thirty six million, million. So, and it's down to twenty eight million. So it's going to do a it's going to do a solid multiple of ten. Yeah, it's going to do a multiple of ten, basically domestic. Jeez. I mean that's that's an insane figure. That's an insane. That is insane something figure. about Mary level. Well, it's Avatar level. Yeah. Avatar did about seven hundred, did about seventy two, seventy four, something like that on its opening weekend. And none of us has seen it. Yes. None of us has seen it. We're doing a real good job staying up to up to date on the okay. culture. You got to go all the way right. down. By the way, you have to go all the way down to number twenty on the list, only because it's in sixty-two theaters to see Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread, which did a little over a million dollars over the weekend, but it's just yeah. coming out now. Is it is is Phantom Thread going to? Well, they're platforming it. It's it opened in on four screens and then I think expanded to seven or eight. Will or it eventually like become then, something more widespread? I don't. Or no? I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's. Well, it's certainly never gonna do the post numbers. It's not gonna be in twenty five hundred screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Are you um, kidding? This is a movie about a seamstress it's with a Daniel Day Lewis. It's a mo- this thing <laughs> it's, it's, is going to wind up grossing two hundred million easy. It's a movie about a dressmaker starring uh, a guy nobody could pick. Daniel Day Lewis and a Hungarian actress who nobody's ever seen. Yeah, yes. So Shockingly, the, the, it's the not woman a, it's I'm not, not, familiar, doing I was not familiar with. Vicky Krips. I oh, what's her name? Vicky Krips. 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 She's not Hungarian. I should say. She's, I don't know she's, what she is. She's, she's like, like Latvian or oh. Luxembourgian or something. Mm. She's the. Uh, it's all it's but, one <laughs> shit or the other. <laughs> oh my goodness! Twice now, but the uh, uh, but Daniel Day Lewis is not portraying like. You say Laurent. No, he's very. Like he's very. It's very toned down his role here. It's uh, he is a. Um, well, should I do the? Well, yeah. Do, why don't you talk? You've seen should it. Should we? Should we? Should we actually Phantom just do Thread. the ad read first? Because we're already at thirty minutes. I mean, um, and then we can come back and do. I yeah. Speaking of somebody who hasn't been getting much sleep love lately, love to boy. <laughs> Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Boy, do I wish I had a Casper. Uh, the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right amount of both sink and bounce. Its breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Casper now now offers two other mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, and the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. All Casper products are designed, developed, and assembled in the United States, and the prices are affordable because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. Every Casper mattress is delivered right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that-sized box. Plus, there's free shipping and hassle-free returns in the U.S. and Canada. Plus, plus, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. We have a special offer 
offer to substandard listeners. You get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash substandard and using the promo code substandard at checkout. That's casper.com slash substandard and use promo code substandard for $50 off select mattresses. Terms and conditions may apply. Lovely. Great. Now, I believe, Sonny, you were the only one who's seen Phantom Thread. Yeah. Uh, Tell us. So, Phantom Thread is about a dressmaker in London who's very fastidious and very persnickety. And he, uh, as the movie opens, he is dumping one live-in lover and getting ready to find another. And the movie is kind of all about his relationship with his various obsessions. Uh, as much as his relationship with with uh, with the woman, uh, the Daniel Day Lewis plays Reynolds Woodcock, the dressmaker, um, and Vicky Kreps Creeps whatever uh, plays uh, his 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 new live in lover. Uh, they they are joined in their London townhouse by uh, Reynolds's sister, uh, who is kind of you know the she runs the business and keeps keeps all the trains running on time. And again, it is very it is it, it, look it, if you're if you're going into this movie expecting a strong narrative. Or, uh, you know, a real story. A lot uh, of action. A lot of action. Is there action? If you're looking for a CGI fest, Explosions. This, is, this is probably not the movie for you. Um, but it is, it is, it, it, look. Is there a twist ending? Yes, they're actually, uh, they've been dead the whole time. <laughs> I knew it. Sorry. High concept. Sorry, everyone. Talk about Phantom. Uh, <laughs> well, this is, you know, it's, you're, you're given the hint oh, on the way oh, in really? the theater. Oh, so. yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, anyway, I, I I like it a lot. It's very funny, and it's but it's very funny in an extremely subtle way. It's very funny. Uh, we don't like subtle humor hu- here, right? Right. The humor. I comes mean, as from, you have just right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the humor. The humor comes from all the fart and dick jokes, so it's very okay. subtle. Okay. Well, then it sounds it's like a, very a good subtle. movie. No, uh, but it's it is no, it's a movie that where you it is it is deeply deeply funny, but it's funny in the ways wow. that. Daniel Day-Lewis and Vicky Kreps kind of uh, interact with each other and the kind of faces they make and the back and forth and push and pull. And it is not a movie that has anything like a, you know, typical joke. It's not a, it's not a jokey movie. But it's it, but funnier it's funny. than the trailers. The trailer makes it look so serious. Well, the trailer, well, it, and it is kind of a serious movie, but it is also, it's, it's again, it's 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 very, it's deeply weird. If, you, if you're really into figuring out uh, what it's about, you should just go see it. If you like Paul Thomas Anderson movies, you can probably talk yourself into liking this, uh, which is what I would, which I, I would talk would say. yourself into. I hear that. I Yikes! Know um, did you? Uh, did I hear correctly? This is Daniel Day Lewis's. He says it's his last movie, but I, you know, yeah, actor retirements are like wrestler retirements mm-hmm. or boxer retirements. Does it kind of like, depend? Uh, on... he, you know, he, it's a get out of town match. He lost to Ric Flair. He has to retire and leave wrestling for forever. It, I also wonder if it's kind of thing where he thinks, you know, ahead of time, I'm going to leave on this movie. But of course, if it's not a great movie in the end, or he doesn't feel like it, and there's a better script, then he'll end on something else. Well, he I will say, I mean, look, his 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 performance in it is great, and sure. it is very it's very subtle in a way that his recent work has not been. Like Lincoln is kind of you know Lincoln is is kind of over the top, and uh, mm-hmm. you know Bill mm-hmm. the Butcher mm-hmm. is extremely yeah. over the top, and, uh, with there, and there will, will be, blood. be blood again. Was very you know kind of. Very, very affected and pronounced. Uh, this is a much more subtle thing. It's very, it feels much more real um, than than any of those movies. Uh, and, and 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 with regard to the director Paul Thomas Anderson, this is obviously he's not going. He's he's continuing to make movies, but he makes them at a fairly slower pace. Pretty slow. Yeah. He's cranking yeah. out a movie every. Well, he went I, several it, years. It, it it kind of depends on what period of his career you're looking at. Mm-hmm. But you know, he made There Will Be Blood in 2008. And then the master, I want to say, was 2012. 2012. Uh, five-year gap. Years. Yeah. Five year gap. So, only two years to Inherent Vice, then three years to right. Phantom Thread. But then before There Will Be Blood, there was a six-year gap between that mm-hmm. and... Uh, Magnolia? Uh, no. Punch, no. Drunk, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. And there was a, a three-year gap between Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love. And he, he, he works at a deliberate pace. And he's now, what, 30? He's 30 years old now, Paul Thomas Anderson. No, he's our age. <laughs> He's in, no, he literally, he's, he's our age. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, JVL, how uh, I didn't know, you knew about Paul Thomas Anderson before Boogie Nights because you liked Hard Eight. You were familiar with him. Yes. Okay. 
Um, and I think I might have only heard about Boogie Nights because of you at the time. And I think we maybe we saw it at a screener. It was hard to say. It was oh, so to speak. But no, it was hard <laughs> to find it. It's not like again, like many of no. his movies, with the exception of let's say, yeah, you and I went to see it together. Not, you know, like everywhere. And so, uh, but I remember how amazing it was. And you were a huge. You were or you are a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Both. Both. I would say his career is not maybe what I had thought it would be. Had hoped it would be. Had hoped it would be. Uh, but it is still intensely admirable, I think. I mean, he's he might be the purest auteur filmmaker working. Period. The end right now. So he, he directs these very strange, quirky movies. Him and Nolan. Uh, Nolan just works more no, regularly in a well, larger scale. So regularly in a larger scale, but the other thing, so he writes all his own stuff. He has now taken over cinematographer duties as well. So he's now directing, writing, and dire- and director of photographying his movies, which is the most pure expression of auteurship I think you could possibly have in cinema. Yeah, that's um, right. And he's, he's just really interesting. Do you know that he's never spent more than $37 million on a movie? Well, that sounds about right. It's a kind I of don't know. I mean, his movies look great. Yeah. I mean, he makes movies right. that are loaded with great actors that look unspeakably beautiful, and he does it cheap. He's obsessed with budgets. Studios I think in a weird him, way. Clint Eastwood, same thing. In a weird Which one, way. What was his most expensive? Was that There Will Be Blood? Uh, I believe it was There Will Be or Blood. Or was it The Master? I don't know. No, I think it was There Will Be Blood. Um. In a weird way, you could almost see him as like a Gen X Woody Allen, which is making these intensely personal movies because his movies are pretty personal. Yeah, that's one of the things which I think is not well appreciated about him. Uh, He's obsessed with budget and none of them are giant hits, but they all basically come out even. You know, he's not he's not losing money for anybody. Uh, The reason he says he's so obsessed with budget is because he says if, if you are under budget or on budget, the studio leaves you alone. They said the key to get, being able to make the movie you want to make is to is to stay within your budget. Um, he's just he's a fascinating guy. I mean, how much do you guys know about him? Do you know about his NYU? I I, I know he went to NYU. Oh, was, you know how long he was at NYU? How long? Two days. So first day so at he's NYU. A, he's a Tisch school. You're talking about the uh, Tisch school film school. First day at NYU. Uh, one of the uh, instructors says, "Anybody who is here to make Terminator Two, you should just leave now." And Paul says to himself, huh, I don't know. Terminator 2 is a pretty great movie. I mean, it's it's full of original stuff and it's technically groundbreaking and it tells a very coherent story and it made a bazillion dollars. Why should this guy be telling people who want to do that yeah. to leave? And so this must have been like, what, 92, was it? Yeah, I think so. 92, I think so. Like so he is given an assignment that, that night to write a one page of script and sub- submit one page of script. And so, because he's, and so when you, as you look back through his his life, I and mean, he is a piratical kind of guy. He is always coloring outside the lines. As a adolescent, he and his friends were running all over Southern California with video cameras, sneaking onto studio lots. He was hanging out with Robert Ridgely and Tim Conway, who are his dad's two best friends. And so what he does is he takes a page from a David Mamet script and turns it in under his own name. He gets a C plus from the teacher and then quits the next day. <laughs> He just says, if this, if a teacher can't tell, like you know, David Mamet from a C plus undergraduate thing, then there is there is nothing for me to learn here. And he walks away and gets his tuition back and uses it to make an indie film. Is yeah. that what he used to make Heart Eight? No, that's what he used to do: cigarettes and, and coffee, cigarettes and, cigarettes and coffee. coffee. So he's he's just a fascinating character, uh, and he is one of the few artists. We often talk about how the work is the work. Right, and you have to judge the work on the work, and it doesn't matter what the person is like or any of that. Right, I mean, this is mm-hmm. a he is one of the few directors in America today who I would argue your appreciation of the work deepens the more you know about him and the more you read him because mm-hmm. he's very accessible, he's very public, he talks a lot about this stuff, and he thinks very deeply mm-hmm. about it and sort of shares it. I mean, he. You go and read his com- or listen to his commentary tracks. Yeah. His commentaries he, are legendarily yeah, really good. good, right? And the yeah. reason is because he so he went out and bought a laserdisc player when laserdiscs came out because he believed as a teenager that the commentaries from directors were like film school in a box. Mm-hmm. 
And so when he does a commentary, he preps for it and treats it as if he is teaching a class mm-hmm. on a movie. Uh, and he's just, I don't, all of those things I find unbelievably admirable. And even if the movies he makes today are not my cup of tea exactly, uh, they're, they're still great. They just don't, I would say, hit me where I live. No. And, uh, and his career is amazing. I just wish he worked a little, a little more briskly. Yeah. So, JBL, you, you're a big fan of Heart 8, right? Huge. Can I, Sydney, do you know where so, that comes from? So, what? Do you know where the, where the movie comes from, the genesis of the movie? Well, I, I know the short, Cigarettes and Coffee. No, no, no. So, so the, the Philip Baker Hall character mm-hmm. in, in Heart 8, his name is Sydney. Mm-hmm. So in Midnight Run, oh, there is, he, he's, Philip Baker Hall is in that. He's yes. a very, very, like, four-bit scenes in it, and he is playing a character named Sydney. Hmm who is a consigliere to the mob. To Dennis Farina. And so he, what happened was he saw that, Anderson did, and wanted to, he said, this character is amazing. We should have a whole movie about him. And so he, but this is why the studio then balked at calling it Sydney because it's, I would say, questionable IP. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but that's the, the origin of the, the story. And the origins all these things. I mean, the origins of Boogie Nights start when he's like 15. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he makes the yeah, Brock Landers story yeah, with, yeah, his, with his Betamax back. camera and his friends. The Dirk Diggler story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, so it starts as a Brock Landers. So <laughs> the first thing he shoots... I thought it was called... Well, okay. Well, so I, the first thing really, he shoots yeah. is a Brock Landers-style parody of Miami Vice. He then does the Dirk Diggler story. Mm-hmm. And all of these elements are fusing together. And he's like telling his high school English teacher, I'm going to make a movie about the porn business. I'm really... It's going to be fantastic. I mean, this is, yeah. I don't know, who, who doesn't love this stuff? Yeah. If you if you love no, movies right. and love cinema, you yeah. have to love Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, yeah. And prior to it becoming an actual movie, he had Robert Ridgely, the Colonel, as the Burt Reynolds part, right? I um, don't know. Is that true? That's what I heard. I didn't uh, know that. Time that he had because he's him. a family friend. Yes. Yeah, so he grew up in the house. Again, Robert Ridgely and Tim Conway were his father's two best friends. And so the, they were always at the house. He was always hanging around with mm-hmm. those guys. And he loved them. And he gave, had Robert Ridgely's last performance. Yeah. I love Robert Ridgely. Uh, he does cameos in Mel Brooks movies, and he the he, executioner, the executioner, <laughs> yes, in um, oh that would be high, uh, blazing, no, blazing saddles. saddles, and also in High Anxiety, he plays a flasher, and he's the trench coat. Sir, come with me, and takes him into the men's room, and then of course he saw all sorts of inappropriate and you know things that wouldn't work today, but very funny. He's just a very funny guy. Um, uh, do you have thoughts on your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson? Movies. Are we going to rank him? We can haven't we, done any rank? rankings. We, in a very so many long people time. are complaining that we haven't done we a don't ranking. Do rankings. We sh- All right, yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'll yeah, go, go first, JBL, go and then you can you can jump. All right. Here's my here's my official uh, Paul Thomas Anderson ranking. Uh, I, I'm going to go. At, I'm going to start at the bottom. I'm going to start with Hard Eight. I, really? That's is, very interesting. Th- and this, is, this, this that? is this is what I was going to ask you. What I I, I re- there's a lot of that movie that I respect. I, I actually just watched it for the first time like a week ago. Just I just because I, I wanted to have the the whole thing. And there's a lot in that movie that I respect. I like I like the way the camera moves. I like what he is doing on the set. Um, the whole thing doesn't quite hang together for me. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I mean, this for instance, the Samuel L. Jackson character feels like a cardboard cutout in a way that a lot of in, in a way that is almost unheard of in the rest of his movies I feel like it, it just he's just kind of there to move the plot along which is very un yeah un Paul Thomas Anderson um but I but I also there again it's it's like I would still say it's probably for me would be like a two and a half star movie I just I didn't love it I didn't I didn't love it can I ask what you really loved about it it's been too long for me to tell you I'm sorry. Right. I, I literally haven't watched it in 15 years. Yeah. Uh, but right, like the fine. first 15 times I watched it, I just liked it. I liked everything about it. Sorry. Yeah. This, that's is, this remember, is an imprecise answer. I remember answer. you watching it at work. Really? Oh, you know what? How? It wasn't On you. On DVD? No, 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 no. In the office? Yes, a DVD. And you know who it was actually I'm thinking of? Our uh, Catherine Ryback Torres. She, oh. You had recommended to her, and we had one of those late nights, and I just remember she popped it in. I don't know if we were all watching in the same room or, or what, but it was in that, the old dark art room. Anyway, continue, Sonny. Next up would be Inherent Vice, uh, which I think is, if, you are, if you're looking at uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies, um, you know this is basically his Coen Brothers movie. It's kind of, it's kind of quirky and funny. 
but not that funny, not haha funny, like, oh, okay, funny. Uh, but also, like, very, very tight. It's overly plotted. My problem with this movie is that it's just overly plotted. There's mm-hmm. too much stuff going on in it. Well, so the much book that is it's... unfilmable, right? I mean, it's... Well, no, the book is... Well, it's not unfilmable because he filmed it. I mean, it, okay. like... It, Fair it, enough. But, no, but, you know but, what I'm no, but, no, but I mean, but I mean, like, he filmed it very much beat for beat. Okay. And, and that's why I think the movie doesn't quite work. Um, because he f- he basically filmed the book, and I I I'll be honest, I couldn't quite make sense of what was happening through large portions of the film the first time I saw it. Then I read the book, then I watched it again, and I was like, okay, well, this all kind of makes sense. But without the book to guide you, it's it's a bit of a mess. The Master would be uh, number six, which I like mostly for uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, and also for Joaquin Phoenix, but uh, again, as as a as a piece of narrative filmmaking, I don't I don't love. I just I think it's 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 very. There are a couple of very interesting performances in it, but uh, after that would be Magnolia, which I know is one of JBL's favorites. Um, I, I I I like it a lot, and I would watch it more often if it wasn't a billion hours long. <laughs> this is like he the problem said, with it. He has said actually that if he would he loves the movie, he's proud of it. If he made it today. The edit would be very different, and one of the things he said is, is but he would ha- he'd probably make it thirty minutes shorter. It needs to be thirty minutes shorter because yeah, it's just least. it's just too long. I, I I like I can't go back and watch it. Uh, after that the would pieces be pieces of that are amazing. Yeah, oh, I yeah. I mean every yeah, every every component it. part of it is fantastic. Every from Tom Cruise staring down the interviewer for just like minutes at a time to, uh, to William H Macy. William H Macy. It's all perfect, uh, but it is just too long. I I like I can't. It's a movie that I can't sit down and watch, so how can I have it higher? Uh, Phantom Thread, I think, would be my next. Wow. Punch Drunk Love, which I love a lot and I think is a perfect deconstruction of the rom-com form. It is like if you made a romantic comedy in the real world, this is what it would look like, and it would be actually kind of terrifying and scary, and the characters would look autistic and creepy. Um, and that's so. I I really love I really love what he's doing there. Can I ask you really yeah. quickly? What do you think Adam Sandler was better in Punch Chuck Love or Mr. Deeds? <laughs> Tough question because Mr. Deeds is underrated. <laughs> oh, Mr. Deeds right? is very underrated. That's the one where he become he goes back. <laughs> yeah, he's, no, he he becomes the rich guy with, with John McEnroe's yeah. in it. Winona Ryder. Love that movie. Um, <laughs> Boogie Nights would be oh, would be my so next. Much. Would be number two for me. I love Boogie Nights. It's his. Oh, it's goodness. his. I, I saw somebody describe uh, Paul Thomas Anderson on Twitter as basically like Boogie Nights is his Scorsese movie. Uh, Magnolia is his Altman. Um, there Will Be Blood, which is number one on my list, is his Kubrick. And Phantom Thread is his Hitchcock. And I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that last one. I don't think that quite works because it's Hitchcock was much more interested in plot Phantom than Phantom is Thread thriller, is. is. It's not a mystery no, thriller. No, okay. no, no. Uh, but uh, but it but it's it's an interesting idea. And then number one would be there will be blood, which I think is the best movie of the two thousands and like the two thousand just two thousand ten period. And uh, is in many ways just a very it's a very strong film about America. It is a movie about the triumph of commerce over <laughs> religion in the American it, well, psyche. I mean, literally, that's in a very way, literal at the very, way at the very end, yeah, brutally so. so. Uh, th- there will be blood or no country for old men. There will be blood, okay. but no country for old men was a very close second that year. I, I have no problem. No, no country. I mean that it's very interesting that two thousand eight, right, gave us two of the probably ten best movies of that decade yeah. within like three months of each yeah, other. I that's mean, right. Was, that's right. JVL, you mentioned Altman. Magnolia's his Altman movie. Um, do you know about his strange relationship with Altman? No. He uh, so he was hired as a requirement of the insurance company to be the stand-in director for Prairie Home Companion huh? in case Altman died. Oh, really? Because Altman was old and his health was failing at that point. It was, yeah. And so they knew each other a little bit. Uh, they went to him. They said, you know, just you won't have to do it, but just come and do the stand-in director. And he came and hung He spent the time basically just hanging around the set because he wanted to learn from Altman. Which again this is a guy who just who loves yeah. cinema. That's pretty. And, I, I had no idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So and it's actually one of his credits. Like he is you know, listed as stand-in director, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, my list would be very similar to yours. Actually, it wouldn't be radically different. I would flop Hard Eight higher, um, although I couldn't tell you why, but I would. And I would probably, I would probably swap. Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood. I I think of Boogie Nights as one of my 
favorite movies ever, top 15, top 20 movies ever. It is also a movie about America. And yeah. it's a movie about America in a very yeah. particular place in time, but also part of the American spirit. And it is, unlike There Will Be Blood, it is a movie with an enormous amount of love for its characters. I mean, it, it is, it's so, yeah. it, the, the norm in, in all narrative storytelling, be it you know, TV, movies, or, or novels, is to have characters that you like, you know, that, that the writer likes, and then the characters that the writer doesn't like. And almost all the time, those things are really clearly demarcated. You could tell who, oh, well, you know, so this is Dolores Umbridge. Dolores Umbridge is a really bad person, and so J.K. Rowling hates her. And you could, um, he loves all of his characters, even the ones that are flawed, even the ones that are the bad guys. And you can almost feel him as a filmmaker rooting for them without ever turning into schmaltz. And I find that to be such a wonderful trick. One, I would say one exception. And to that, William H. Macy's wife. <laughs> oh, Nina. Nina Hartley. I, I don't know. I I think she <laughs> oh, is terrible. She's bad, but again, is still. She had it coming, so to speak. <sighs> Sorry. I mean, wow. in terms of she got shot. That's she, got shot. Shot. she got shot. She got shot. Yeah. And and the other thing is, so Boogie Nights is a. I think the price tag on that movie was fifteen million dollars, which again is just astonishing for what it looks yep. like. And B, he was twenty-seven years old when he made that. I mean, that's just astonishing. I yeah. don't, I, this is going to sound like hyperbole. I think you might have to go back to Citizen Kane to find another epic piece of filmmaking by somebody that young in the director's chair. Um, it, it, that marked him as such an enormous prodigy. Um, I mean, just in the being able to, imagine as a 27-year-old yeah. being able to wrangle those actors and like tell Burt Reynolds what to do and move them around and everything. Who hates the movie. Who does hate the movie yeah. for ways I've never quite understood. If you ever, if anybody wants to see something interesting overlooked from Paul Thomas Anderson, hop onto YouTube and look up the music video for Michael Penn's song, Try. It is, Paul Thomas Anderson directs it, uh, Philip Timur Hoffman is in it, and it is a single shot moving backwards down the longest hallway in America. So he found the office building with the longest straight hallway in the country. And the entire the entire music video is like three minutes of pulling backwards as you move down the hallway. It's just, again, just as a piece of filmmaking. Mm. It's just bravura. It's fantastic. Mm. And he's he's the best. I have not seen that many Paul Thomas Anderson movies, so I'm just going to say I think I would put Magnolia in three there will be blood at two and Boogie Nights at one. Vic, what but... is your favorite scene in Boogie Nights? <laughs> I'll give you two words. Alfred Molina, actually. That that that's a great scene. Yeah, that's a... Unbelievable. Yeah. With the um, uh, Sister Christian. Sister Christian. And then it transitions, I think, Jesse's to girl. Jesse's Girl. And then, I think at the very, very end, I think it's 99 uh, Luft Balloons yes. or 99 Red Balloons. And he's Cosmo. He's, he's Chinese. He, and Yes. And so it's... <laughs> The things are loud in the theater. Yep. The fireworks that go off are loud, and they're jumping. You feel like you're jumping, and Alfred Molina doesn't even flinch during the entire scene. And he's the only one. Yes. So yes. when you see the the guys on the couch, the three mm -hmm. guys on the couch are all you know herky jerky. He did have an earpiece. I saw. I listened to the commentary too many years right. ago, but I remember he did have some sort of earpiece, but for the music, I think, so he can be in sync with the music. So, yeah. And the other thing is, of course, uh, Ricky Jay. Another great the performance. Director. And then, of course, Burt Reynolds in it, which got him the Academy Award for Best... Uh, oh, no, wait. No, that went to uh, Robin win. Williams. Of course Patch it Adams. did. That was Patch Adams' year, right? No. Wasn't it? <laughs> Goodwill no, Hunting. Good Hunting. Oh, it was Goodwill Hunting. He should have won for Patch Adams. If you go... If, yes, or the oh, well, Bicentennial Man. You should go for Bicentennial Man. Was it a makeup? Was that a makeup award for not having gotten it Go to YouTube Adams? and look at the announcement for the Best Supporting Actor, and it's, and it's uh, the one that goes to Robin Williams, and you'll look at Burt oh, Reynolds' Burt face. face. He's the only one. He's not even pretending to be like, oh, thank God, I'm so happy. You know? No. You know what? And he does, that was his. Fair. That Same. was his. Same. Fast forward to the Magnolia year and then watch the uh, announcement. Cruise. No, no, no. Of best song, best oh. score, and watch Amy Mann's face when Phil Collins is giving <laughs> the. Well, and what's what funny is Tarzan. Was it, it for Tarzan? I think so. I, I listen to it every day. Before that, be she was doing an interview with like Movie Line or something, and they said, "You know, isn't it a great honor? You know, you, like you should win." And she goes, "I won't win. It'll go to whatever crap Phil Collins made this year." And she was right. Oh, terrible. And there was time when Phil Collins was 
great. Okay. I think we are yeah, ready right. to move on. Um, Did you have anything else on Paul Thomas Anderson? You know, I, I have one thing to say. And okay. I think JVL. the this scene, the firecracker scene in Alfred Molina's Drug Den, is emblematic of one of his maxims as a filmmaker. And he says that the, the most important thing you have to do as a director is stay ahead of the audience. He said, if you ever let the audience get in front of you, that's when they're going to stop caring. And I think this is basically right in everything he's made. I don't know if there's a moment in any of these movies where you as the viewer can actually get ahead of where he's going. Now, you can often see where the tracks are turning ahead of you, but sometimes you can't. And that is one of the things that when I think back to movies that leave an indelible mark on me, they are often movies where in a moment or a scene, I feel like I am on Space Mountain, which is to say, I know I'm on a roller coaster ride that I can't even see the tracks in front of me. You have no idea. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, when they when when Bruce Willis winds up down with Zed and the Gimp and all that, yeah. the first Same. time you see that, you have no yeah. idea what's happening. The so moment. wild. The Gimp moment, which I, I forget who, and there's a great line about this, but the Gimp moment is the moment where you realize that you have no idea what's going to happen in this movie. Anything can happen. No, anything, anything can anything, happen. Anything can happen. It, it, it goes and on all of such a... Yeah. All of PTA's movies, it's just... Part of this is because he is not a traditional narrative filmmaker. He's not making a murder mystery or a romantic comedy or whatever. And, like, you know, even even the ones that have, like, clear arcs and kind of clear kind of from point A to point B, like Boogie Nights or, uh, to a lesser extent, even A Punch Drunk Love, something like that, they're, they're so weird and so... Or, like, Inherent Vice, which, again, is just... It's kind of, like, messily overly plotted. But like it is done in such a way that you just have no idea what's going to happen next until you've seen it, and and kind of yeah. know what's yeah yeah okay. Spirit of the week is Tin Cup American Whiskey from Colorado, courtesy of Captain Bill Dwyer. I think we'll go back to some Diageo uh, next week. Some other surprises, uh, corrections, additions, uh, guys. Anything? Nothing. Uh, Me too. Nothing. Very quiet. I have a correction. Oh boy. JVL. Not from the show. Oh. Okay. I, uh, Please. I made a furniture purchase without consulting my wife. How big is the furniture? So it is a beanbag chair filled with memory foam. Oh. oh. We were wondering what this was about <sighs> on Twitter. It's called the love sack. Oh, my god! Which makes it sound like... It's perverse. Yeah. Something that should be in Alfred Molina's mm-hmm. den. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Something you wouldn't want to use a but black it's light here. So it is five... But diameter, like three feet tall when public, when fully fluffed, and you just like sink into it and you never want to leave. And when you are watching the Eagles winning a playoff game at home while nestled in a love sack and drinking a shuffer huffer, it's heaven. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> okay, yes. Next. Uh, uh, but does everyone in your family feel the same way about the love sack? All but one. Hmm. All but one. Your your infant baby. <laughs> Actually, he took a, a header out of it this morning. Uh, one of the things, <laughs> possibly. Uh, no, no, no. Like was was in it and sort of toddled oh. over to the edge and then like fell three feet down on the ground. I'm sure it's fine because it's high. Okay, um, that's all the time we are giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch at JV Last. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Just type in substandard under podcasts. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. Didn't you say you had an impression? <laughs> that was my that was my Aziz Ansari impression. Oh, <laughs> but, I mean, no, 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 no. That was when Gene came in. Excuse oh, it's when Gene me. came no, in. No, no, that oh. was really, sorry. Uh, you have any uh, outtake thoughts? I have. Just, I, I mean, I always, I always have something to say, but you know. Don't say. I mean, I'm just monologued for this whole episode oh. with how much I love no, Paul no, Thomas no, that's Anderson. Good. Um, so great. I forgot to mention. You know, everyone's so sensitive about what's happening these days out there, and everyone's having these experiences with people saying uh, politically incorrect nervous. things. This I'm is a very fun. nervous right now. Me too. Uh, no, uh, so I forgot to mention when I was in New Jersey uh, over the holidays, just for a couple days. Uh, I was I pulled into the Exxon station. Uh, in Tom's River uh, with my wife sitting in the front. And, of course, it's New Jersey, so, you know, you can't actually pump your own gas. You have to, you know. You mean you don't have to pump you don't your own gas? gas? 
Because New Jersey is a place of civilized people. Uh, uh, civilized and, We're not animals. Jobs. and jobs, JVL. We're not animals. Right? We're giving jobs. So the guy's coming, but he comes over on the, the passenger side, so not on my side. So I, I roll down the window, and he looks in, and I said, you know, uh, fill her up, uh, uh, regular uh, credit, and you get the card. And you go, okay. He does it. And then he comes back, and he looks at me, and he goes, are you Oriental? What was his ethnic nationality? Oriental. That was the crazy part. So I said, "What flavor?" Well, I said, uh, "Yes." I said, "Yeah, um, you know, uh, Filipino." Or my parents were the Philippines. He goes, "Oh, me too." And then he starts. So he says to me uh, in Filipino, "How are you?" Kamustaka. And I'm struggling. Oh, how do you say I'm fine? Oh, uh, mabuti. Uh, and then I was thinking, uh, how do you say um, Merry Christmas in in in, in Tagalog? And I'm like, "Oh, malagang uh, Pasco." And then he goes, "Actually, I don't really speak." <laughs> Did you know how to say, I'm sure it's fine. 